We ask for this in your name. Amen. Pastor Willie uh, pointed out that three times in this, this short verse that Jeremiah highlights the, the fact that um, God has a plan for us. Plans to prosper, not to harm us. Plans to give us hope. Plans of future. Hope, future, prosperity, all those different pieces which are good and they are, are needed in our lives. How many of you believe that verse? Okay, good. How many of you believe that when God has spoken something, he's going to accomplish it? Yeah. I think overall, we believe those things to be true. How many of us, let's, and you, you may not want to be honest on this, but how many of us have ever lived like we don't trust that this is actually going to produce anything good? <laughs> um, I remember back um, in South Dakota when we were um, leaving and transitioning from South Dakota to come here. Um, and we intentionally planned it that literally our last um, day in South Dakota was our last service in South Dakota. So we, uh, we preached our, our last service and we got in the car and drove out of the state <laughs> because we were concluding 15 years of ministry. And, uh, and I cried through the entire service. I did. I, um, I couldn't come up with an intelligible thought because, um, man, I knew God had a plan for us and where we were coming. He was bringing us here. But, man, at that point, <laughs> I was wrecked because I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around how God had a different plan, and yet I knew it. I mean, I knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I, actually, my wife had known an entire year before we left that God was moving us. And we wrestled, I wrestled all year with this thought, when, God, are you going to drop the hammer? <laughs> when are you going to, when are you going to do this? And, and God said, now's the time. And, and I am thankful that God didn't give us a lot of time. You know, we, we came here um, that, you know, right around that Thanksgiving timeline and um, a month later, <laughs> we were here, you know. So God gave us one now. In that, prep, in that year, because we knew God had a plan, we actually had been packing all year long. We had eliminated anything non-essential in our house, and people would come, you know, if they come, came over, our garage was filling up more and more with boxes. Um. But God had a plan, and so we had to, even though we didn't fully understand it at the time, we had to participate in God's plan. So we began to pack, not knowing what God was going to do. And then God made that dream possible, that plan, he made that, that plan known to us, and, and a month later, you know, we were here, and, and that couldn't have happened smoothly in that time frame 
had we not been working that entire year in preparation for God's plan. And and in almost an entire year of God unfolding the things that we needed to do to be ready. We don't like change. Let's just be honest. We don't. We like things staying the way we, we, they are so that we can be in control. But we're not in control. The reality is, as long as we maintain some level of thinking we're in control, um, our plans will end miserably. <laughs> I, I want you to understand that clearly. As long as you maintain control of your life, your life will never reach its full potential. Until you surrender it all to God, you will be limited in the things that God is able to do in you. One, uh, one author I read about this week said, change is not pleasant, but change is constant. Only when we change and grow will we see a world we never knew. Only when we change and grow will we see a world we never knew. Um, <laughs> when I uh, graduated high school and I uh, um, went, to South, or went to Oregon to go to college, I mean, I was, I was a homebody growing up. My, my parents didn't travel. We never went really anywhere. When I, when I graduated high school, the only two places I'd ever visited outside of the, you know, uh, Ohio, even, not even all of Ohio. I lived in a, I, I could have drawn a 50-mile window and probably had never traveled outside of that 50-mile window growing up. But we went to Kentucky a few times early on when, uh, uh, you know, that's where my mom's family was from. When you talk to them, you understand they're still, it is still part of them. They're, my, my mom's brother, I have a hard time understanding half of the things he says. He, he grows up in the hollers of Kentucky. And they have a certain way of communicating that is slightly different. Um, but I love him. He is the most loving guy. Um, it just takes a little bit more to understand him. And we went to Indiana a couple times normally um, because we lived over in West Alexandria. If we would do our big shopping, we'd go to Richmond because it was close um, to where we lived, and that was our big shopping trip. We, we didn't eat out. We, didn't, we had no adventurous spirit in us. Um, and then God said, hey, you're going to Oregon. And first time in my life, I got on a plane and flew to Oregon when I graduated high school and started a whole new world. But until I make, made the change, man, I would have been limited by one of the things really that plagues many of us. Uh, we, we were amazed. South Dakota, when we lived there, it was amazing. And because of my wife's adventurous spirit... We literally traveled all across the state of South Dakota seeing all the different things South Dakota had to offer. We talked to people that had never really seen any of those things because they'd never left their... They were very much like I was. How many of you, if you were in your growing up years, never visited much of, your, of the other portions of your state? Anybody else? I mean, 
you just you become content in this circle. And sometimes you think this is all the world has to offer. But there's so much more. You know, I, if I wouldn't have lived out in South Dakota, I would never have gone camping in the Bighorn Mountains. I mean, you could ask my wife. That probably was the furthest thing from a thought process I have, that Matt and I were going to go camp in a tent for, you know, for four days without a shower um, and fixing our food over a fire and, and that I would enjoy it. I did create my own shower. It was ice cold. Let me just tell you, you could only warm up that kind of water so much. And 60 degree showers will wake you up in the middle of the day. But, but I experienced something in life because I was willing to make a change. And, and I think that's one of the things that we have to understand is God has created us to constantly be uh, thrust into situations that will change our thinking so that we grow. And if we're unwilling to put ourselves there in our, on our own behalf, when we're seeking God, actively seeking God, He naturally leads us into an environment that will cause us to change. When Abraham was seeking God, God said, Abraham, um, I... I want you to leave your homeland, and I'm going to take you on a journey. And I'm sure Abraham said, uh, God, where are we going? He said, don't worry about the destination. <laughs> don't worry about that. I'll tell you each day what to do. How many of you would have set out on that journey? Let's be honest. <laughs> There's two or three of us. That's what I thought. Not many of us. We like knowing where we're going. We like we like control. And, and God wants us to surrender control. God wants, I love hearing my grandson just sing and talk. It just catches me all the time, you know. So this morning on your sheet there, I've got a little exercise for you to participate in. There are four questions, and I want you to answer these four questions. They're up on your screen for you. Why do we make plans? How do you feel when everything goes as planned? And how do you feel when things don't go as planned? And what role does God have in your plans? So I want you to take five minutes and just answer those questions. Write them out. You're not going to have to share them with anyone, so be honest with yourself. The, the saddest thing that we have in life is when we lie to ourselves. So take your five, and I'll give you.
guys are doing good. See some of you still writing, so. love the life that a baby brings to the church. I see all you looking at the babies that are in service today and just making faces. And <laughs> No apologies needed. No apologies needed. You know what? God has done a good thing with babies. Alrighty. See, most of you look like you're you're done writing. Nope, I see a couple more still writing, so. All righty. So as I was going through these questions and coming up with some answers, here's some of the things that, you know, that I wrote down and see if these uh, are in line with some of what you think. Uh, why do we make plans? So that we know what is going to happen. I am a planner. When I drive anywhere, I like having it planned out. Now, I am a my wife will tell you, even if it's locally, I plug in a destination into Siri, you know, into my map program, um, so that it gets me the most efficient route to my destination. I am not an explorative person when it comes to driving. I want to get to point A and, and B. I want to get to point B as quick as I can when I leave A. So, um, but we like knowing what's going to happen. And we also want to be prepared um, when I pack to go on a trip, I normally overpack. How many of you overpack? Um, <laughs> I, I normally have about three or four outfits more than I need. Now, it's because if I get a stain on something, I'm going to go change. You know that about me already. I, I don't like spots on my stuff. Um, mentally, it, it harasses me. I think that spot is yelling at everyone around me. Um, but we also like life to be easier, so we like a plan. That's also one of the reasons we struggle giving God control, because he doesn't share all those details with us. That doesn't mean he doesn't have them. It just it means that he doesn't share them, right? How do you feel when everything goes as planned? You feel very satisfied, accomplished, that you did your due diligence and you accomplished what was set before you. Life is good. How do you feel when things don't go as planned? Frustrated? Helpless? And it bothers you and you start trying to analyze where you made a mistake. And what role does God have? And this is one I, I really struggled with because it's like, oh God, how many times did I only bring you in at the end? Or when things were breaking down? When I lost my, um, my key fob for my car, and I didn't lose it, we had gone on a trip last week with the family, and um, coming home, I, I had put my key fob into a jacket pocket, and 
and I hung the jacket up in my uh, closet when I got home. But I didn't remember that I had put my key fob there. And, and I'm a person who likes everything lined up. I shared this in Sunday school. I like my life to be in order. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm in the kitchen and getting ready to leave, and I look up on the um, key thing, and, and there's only one key for my vehicle. Now, I still had a key for my vehicle. I wasn't going to be stuck, but I could not let go. Where in the world is this key fob? There are always two of them there. Is anybody else like that? You, you get a little psychotic. And so, literally for the next two days, I start going through everything. I was desperate. I'm going through every bag in the house that we had on our trip. I, I looked in a bag that my kids had. Well, maybe I put it in there. Maybe one of them picked it up. And, and two days in, I finally, I'm, I'm just in the, my bedroom downstairs and I know this won't you know, shock some of you, but I finally said, Lord, I don't know what I've done with this key. <laughs> now, why do I wait and worry for two days? So I'm there and I say, Lord, why in the world did I wait? And I don't know where it is. Lord, I know I brought it home. And I literally felt the Holy Spirit nudge me, it's in your coat pocket. And and I looked stupid at that point because I thought, oh. I walked over to my jacket hanging on my rack, put my hand in my pocket, and it's like, and I testified about it to my wife right away. I, I gave God the glory. But listen, I could have shut down two days of, of stress if I would have brought God in on day one. And God knows everything. And yet we wait until everything is falling apart or we've exhausted. And he's saying, oh, I didn't realize I was invited into this conversation. <laughs> As I was thinking about this passage out of Jeremiah, and, and, I, and I truly love this passage. You know, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you... Uh, a hope and a future. How many of you realize that when God gave that, or Jeremiah gave that prophecy, that the children of Israel were in captivity? <laughs> they were prisoners. How many of you think that as soon as he gave that prophecy, they were released? <laughs> no. They were in captivity for several more years. Years. I'm sure some of those people were sitting back thinking, God, how is this giving us prosperity? How is this giving us hope? We're still prisoners. We're still stuck in this old way of being and doing. You don't realize it, church, but when you don't allow yourself to be adventurous and get outside of what you're doing, you are a prisoner to your own restraints when you limit yourself god this is this is what i'm comfortable with god is limited in what he's able to do in our lives because we say god i i just man i can i can greet people i'm i can do that lord that's that's not outside of my range i've shake shake a, shook a few hands before god 
I can, let me find something I can do. God, I can pick up the trash in the church. I can do that. Because I don't have to talk to anybody. (laughs) And I can get it done the way I want. How many of you love serving as long as you can do it your way? Okay, we, we love that. And see, we limit God because God, we, we say, God, I will, I will do whatever you want as long as you do only this thing. Only if I have to do this much and you let me do it my way. When God called me to go to Bible college, I, I, was, not a, um, I was not a scholar in my language. I grew up in a farming community, and in, in a farming community, you spoke when you had to. My home was not a very verbose home. Okay? When my dad spoke, he normally was cussing at us because we had broken something or did something wrong. How, does anybody else have a family like that? You broke something or did something. My dad was always fixing the house because we broke it. Now it was a small house, and we were big kids. <laughs> and then when we got older as teenagers, we still broke things. We just broke bigger holes. You know? And when we fought, we, we made bigger holes, you know. It's, that was the lifestyle I grew up in. We, if we didn't like something the other person did, we'd punch him or we'd, you know, wrestle or, you know, we'd throw him in a wall. And so my dad was always replacing drywall because we broke things, you know. So when I went to college, I had to learn to communicate. I had to learn to get along with people in a way that wasn't punching them because that wasn't going to work at Bible college. They weren't going to keep me there long. It didn't matter what kind of upbringing I had. I had God had called me into something different, so I had to learn to be different. So when God places you into a new environment, you're going to have to release some of the things that are holding you down, that are giving you some sense of stability, and say, God, I'm willing to learn something new. JP and Sherry, I I don't know everything that God has for you next, but one thing I'll encourage you is to release the things that right now are grounding you in a level of stability and say, God, whatever you have, I'm willing to learn something new. I'm learning, I'm willing to be different. I'm willing to see things in a different way. Because that is what is going to open you up to the amazing things that God has for you. I started thinking about five things, really, that benefit us when we open our minds up to change. When we realize that God has a good plan for us, um, He has a plan that is going to do something very specific in our lives, but it means us releasing things. When we can embrace change, the first thing we'll experience is personal growth. You will grow. I guarantee you that as soon as you open yourself up to the things of God, you will begin to grow in ways you never thought possible. Um, Back in December of this year, uh, or of last year, (laughs) this year, I'm speaking ahead of time. No, back of December of last year, I felt like God was leading me to start reading uh, books again. Now, I, I listen to a lot of books. I listen to at least probably three or four books a month. 
through a, a system I have called Audible. Probably many of you are familiar. So I listen to books all the time. Anytime I'm in the car, I'm listening to something. I'm not much into just listening to music or especially news uh, or talk radio. Uh, it's got to be something where I control what's going into my head. This year, I, I really took advantage of that because there was so much junk coming across the, the news. It's like, I am going to control everything that goes into my head. So I did. I didn't let, I, I don't watch much news. I just make sure I take advantage of it. But I felt in December, God was saying, hey, I want you to start reading again. Now, I still read my Bible every day. I had my devotion, several devotional plans, and I did that. But I felt like God was saying, hey, I want you to start reading some books again. And so I started reading some, some personal growth books. And, and since um, December 1, I have probably, um, I've probably finished 12 books, reading every day. I can't tell you that I finished 12 books in the last two years, but I finished 12 books since December 1. Some of them were shorter, some of them were longer, but I have learned so much in that time. Because it's, it's activated another part of my brain that I had allowed to, be, to grow dormant. And I began to see opportunities again. One of the things when we intentionally engage something that causes us to be different, our brain starts opening up to new things again. When we settle into an old way of being all the time, our, our brains are limited in what they can accomplish because we allow them to be lazy. Do you realize that your brain is more powerful than most of the computers in the world? Probably all put together. That man still hasn't been able to create a computer that literally can do everything that your brain can do. And yet they estimate that most people only activate 10 to 15% of the brain's potential. How would, you, how would you feel if you literally only lived and utilized 10% of all the things that you had available to you? How many of you would be happy with that? Only experience. You buy a whole wardrobe of clothes, but you only get to wear 10% of them. <laughs> the rest of them that are just there hanging in your closet. You, you have, you know, <laughs> some of us may do that already because we gravitate to what is comfortable. But, uh, but you have a whole kitchen full of food and you only eat 10% of it. It's a waste, right? We're wasting resources. We're wasting abilities. We're wasting opportunities. If you don't do something that forces your brain to be more active... You're wasting God-given resources. They have proven that individuals that are struggling with uh, dementia can actually improve when, you know, or be able, that are on the early onset, when they start activating their brain through reading and other activities and puzzles, they can actually push the effects of the dementia off because they activate their brain again. Church, we need to use our brains and use every opportunity to experience every change opportunity to grow. The other thing is we increased, we experienced increased flexibility. When, when we begin to exercise, how many of you love exercise? 
I love exercise. I really do. Um, when I, um, I have arthritis in this left knee. I've shared that with you before. When I choose to sit around and do nothing, the arthritis in this knee acts up and literally it is difficult for me to get out of bed and step on that foot. It is, it is difficult for me to do anything. Year when I had a, this knee flare up and arthritis right around June, July, and, and literally for two or three months, it was everything I could do to just move. And, and the only way to fix it <laughs> was I had to force myself every day to exercise. You know, when I went to the doctor and he dealt with it and I got mobile and everything was good, and he said, listen to me, he said, you need to listen. You need to be active every single day. <laughs> he said, if you sit around, that arthritis will flare up again and you're going to go through this all again. And sometimes we think we're smarter than people because we're pain-free, life is good, and we think, I don't need to... And I went through change. And so I need to constantly, I actually have to rotate my exercise process so that my muscle groups don't get set just in one thing. And so I have to constantly do new things so that the muscle groups are always being challenged and I increase my flexibility. I'm, I'm back to a place where I haven't been for a while physically because I've been forcing myself every day to move. So you have to understand, if you want to experience the great, you know, change, when you begin to actively participate in the change, you'll experience a level of flexibility in ministry. You'll find that you actually can be serving in multiple areas in the church with a level of smoothness, with a level of, uh, of uh, strength and ability simply because you chose to add something new to your plan. And you'll find that your faith will grow as a result of you adding something new to your life. You'll also, the third thing is, you'll add new strength to your life. I guarantee you that the more things that you choose to do for the kingdom of God, there is a level of strength and stamina that begins to build that when the storms of life come, you will not be overwhelmed as easily. I know today, even as changes come, they don't set me back as far. Sometimes they, they may slap me upside the head. It's like, Wow, I didn't see that one coming. But I, I, don't, I don't enter into this, this mode where I'm, I'm not functioning because I'm so overwhelmed by the things. God has built this stamina, this strength within me that I can still stand in the midst of all the things that are going on. And, and that, on, that strength only comes by you adding to your life new things that are going to challenge you in your faith. When I was into lifting weights, you know, if I only stayed at one level of, of lifting and I only did a certain number of reps, my strength was limited. But as soon as I would push myself a little further, my muscles actually responded. And it's like at first, it was painful. 
It was difficult. At first, I even thought, man, I don't know that I can do this. And yet, God gave me the ability to expend, you know, because of the muscle groupings he's given us, to challenge ourselves and grow beyond those things. I, I, re- I remember back in high school, um, I went out for track just so I didn't be home, okay? Anything that I could do to not be at home during those high school years, I did. I, I, didn't, I, I did not see a lot of value at that point in my life of running, okay? So I went out and I took up the few sports that I could that I thought would never have to run. And I threw the shot put and the discus. Okay? I thought these are safe, right? How many, how many shot put runners do you see running a race, you know? And yet I go out and they're trying to make me run with the rest of the team. It's like, I didn't sign up for that. And even when I threw the shot put, I only casually went through the process, because the reality is I only did it to fill a gap. I really wasn't interested in growing. And I was only semi-effective. I, I might have been, you know, a top person in our, uh, in our small area, but I wasn't the best on our team. And they taught us form and all those things, and I really didn't pay a lot of attention. And until one track meet, Somehow, I actually slipped into the right mode on one throw, and I outthrew every throw that I had done the entire year by 10 feet, and, and took first place in our meet. I had never taken first place, because I really didn't work hard on it. But at one point, all the lessons that I had learned kicked in, and I, it's like, what? I, I didn't put forth any more effort, but my ability increased because all the little things that I had been doing all of a sudden kicked in, and it's like, wow. When my coach heard this over the intercom, because he wasn't there, he just came over and said, what in the world happened? Evidently, everything you taught me kicked in. <laughs> How many of you have ever felt like that in life when you're walking with God all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you deal with a situation or you speak into a situation and you're thinking, where in the world did that come from? <laughs> and it's all the things that God had been sowing into your life up until that point. Finally, they started to sink in and they produced the work. We don't always realize the strength that is being built in us until that strength is needed. Number four, new opportunities. When you begin to open yourself up to change, new opportunities begin to open themselves up to you. Some people wonder, well, why does nothing good ever happen to me? Has anybody ever said that? (laughs) Or known someone that said that? Why does nothing good ever happen for me? Why is it always him that always gets blessed? Or why is it always that family? Or why is it always that person? And, and you look, it's like, well, what do you do with your life? Well, I go to work and I go home. Well, what do you do at work? Well, I do what I have to to get done. Well, if you live your life only doing what you have to do, <laughs> then the reality is you're going to get what you have to get. <laughs> and the other opportunities are going to... 
Why in the world would someone give you more opportunities if you haven't shown yourself faithful by doing the ones that you already have with a level of enthusiasm and desire, adding to your life something new? New opportunities will open up. And new beginnings. This is where JP and Sherry are. They're at a new beginning. But you know who else is at a new beginning? Us. As a church. JP and Sherry leaving openings, opens the door for a new beginning in areas. They're going to have new doors open before them, and we're going to have new opportunities open for us here for people to step in and serve. You know, JP has been very faithful being at the back of the church through a lot of our services, maintaining security, making sure everything's safe in areas. There's new opportunities. You know, we've talked about it for years about, you know, developing this system to where we have someone that makes sure we monitors the building during every service, that no one, you know, there's nothing ill that is going on. It's sad that we're living in a day where all those things, we have to worry about them, but we are. And we can never, we can never get to this place where we, we settle in and think, oh, we are protected, nothing ever bad will happen to us. We need to be prepared. And when a new opportunity opens up, we should be all raising our hands saying, let me do something new. Let me do something new. I know individuals that every month they would, they would intentionally sign up for something new in the church so that they were forced to learn something new. And what happened is God's blessing was upon them and, and lots of new opportunities not only opened up for them in the church but in their personal lives. And you don't always realize how much your personal life is connected to your faith life. You know, some people live as if faith is just something we do at church. But the reality is faith is part of who we are. We are to walk by faith, not by sight. And that doesn't just mean on Sunday morning from 10, you know, 30 to noon. What good is faith if it is only active from 10.30 to noon on Sunday morning? And Wednesday night for those really committed people. <laughs> Let's be honest. What good is our faith if we only have three hours a week that we need it? Let's be honest. If we had other things in our life that we were only using three hours a week, we'd probably get rid of it. Because we want it to be something that we're using all the time. Church, I want you to know that God has a plan. He has a good plan for you. A plan to prosper you. A plan to give you hope. A plan to give you a future. I think the NIV says to give you a destined future. Something that God, God has planned out your life. He knows you know, God lives outside of this realm. You understand that, right? God says that he can see the beginning and the end. If you know someone who knows everything going on in your life, wouldn't you want him to be involved in your planning? How many of you like mazes? I've done some mazes that are pretty chintzy. 
They're not hard to get out, but I love a good maze. I, I've got up here on our screen these mazes. Now, when you have these mazes and you're able to get this skyward view and you can actually plan out your, 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 your path, it's easier to do. But if we were to take this maze and lay it flat like we are, the reality is we're only going to see those first few steps in front of us. And, and we're going to take a path and maybe that path ends and we have to backtrack and go a different direction. And see, and that's really what a walk with God is all about. We don't always see where we're going and sometimes we take a wrong turn. Sometimes you may have a wife that says, hey, you need to turn here and you think, no, I think we're supposed to go this way. Or maybe as a wife, you have a husband that says, hey, yeah, you need to you know, go this way. And then, no, I'm good with going this way. See, it could go either direction. And we don't listen. And sometimes we hit a dead end. Or sometimes times we, we completely get lost. How many of you have ever been lost before? Some of you say, I'm never lost. I always know, knew where I was going. Yeah, you knew you were going somewhere, but you didn't know where you were going really because you, otherwise you wouldn't end out two hours out in the middle of nowhere. You know, let's be honest. Sometimes we ignore the Holy Spirit when He says to turn here because we think we know better. Or because, listen, this path right in front of us is really long and it's wide open why in the world would I turn? I can see so far. And we don't realize and the reason you can see so far is nobody else has taken this path and it's a dead end. And if that's where you want to end up, you can. God lets you. God actually will let you end up everywhere you plan to go. Or don't plan to go. But if you will choose to let God have control and guide your life, He'll be that still small voice telling you which way to turn. And sometimes you get to a destination, it's like, God, why do you lead me here? And you needed to go there. There's something you can learn in that journey. Sometimes it's learning to listen because God has something greater for you, but you have to learn some of those those details along the way because sometimes we come to places like Lord why in the world would you bring JP and Sherry here for five years and man we're just at a place the youth groups grow and all these great things why God says hey I'm still in control I still got this life is not just about you <laughs> how many is that a discouraging thing sometimes when you realize life is not just about me and so God has got not only JP and Sherry's plan, but he's got all of you. And he's trying to make a plan that is going to be best for each one of us to take us to that final destination that he has for us. And along the way, we have to step up and learn some new skill sets. So even though change is uncomfortable, let me invite you to embrace change. Old, but you to say yes to not knowing exactly what tomorrow will hold, but still being willing to say, God, hey, I'll serve. I can walk around the building and check things, you know, on a Sunday. I can make sure we're safe. I can stand at the back of the church and uh, monitor the door, make sure who's coming in, who's going out. I can sure make sure our kids are safe in our in our kids' church area. Um, 
God, I can serve in the nursery. You know, we have an opportunity to serve in the nursery. We've had some people with some health things and some changes in areas. Um, we need nursery workers. Now, I'm, I'll be honest, I serve in the nursery on Wednesdays because I want to. I, no one made me start serving in the nursery on Wednesday. I did it because I saw an opportunity. We already had great teachers in our adults class with uh, uh, Jerry and w- with Willie. This was an opportunity for me to serve. There was a Wednesday we didn't have any kids uh, or any toddlers in nursery, but we needed someone to lead kids' church. Now, I'll be honest, I don't know that I've ever really led kids' church in all my years of ministry. I've served in areas, but I mean, I, let's, I'll be, I've been in, in the pulpit, you know, for a long time. And so I said, I can do that, and I prepared a message, and I went and led kids' church. Moments notice. I said, yes, I'll do it. I loved it. I love serving in the nursery with the toddlers. I have so much fun. At some point, we all have to be willing to say yes to something new so that the needs are met. And I guarantee you, as you say yes to something new, you are going to grow in ways you never imagined. And our church will grow. But you have to be willing to embrace something uncomfortable, something unknown, to experience something amazing. And you'll see the world in a whole new light. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to experience you in, uh, in this service. Father, I, I reflect back after... Uh, a long five years of ministry um, with J.P. and Sherry. And I am so thankful that you brought them here. Father, I am thankful for the challenges and changes that they've helped uh, bring into ministry, the things they've opened my eyes to see. Father, their willingness just to do, to fill a gap. Beyond youth, beyond you know what they were originally brought here for, Father, they just expanded that through the years and, and kept filling in to do whatever was necessary to meet needs, to touch people's lives. And I thank you for that. Help us all to embrace a level of, of willingness to change, to try something new, to add to our life something, a new element that will bless the kingdom of God. Father, I just thank you that you have a plan for us. But regardless of all the plans you have for us, if we don't choose to do something with that plan, if we don't choose to move, your plans are never going to come to full fulfillment in our lives because we've chosen to sit back and do as little as possible. You want us to launch out. To step out in faith even when we don't know the final destination. Father, I pray your blessing on the Wilsons, Ryland and Reagan. Father, Father, I will miss them. I love their hugs and I love uh, just, Father, the, the things that I've seen you do in their life their lives over these last five years. Father, bless them in these changes that are ahead for them. 
Father, I pray opportunities be opened up for them in ways that they never even imagined. And Father, I pray for Bellbrook Community Church that you would literally open up new opportunities for every individual here to challenge themselves and step into a new way of being. That they would activate their faith in ways that they never thought possible. And, uh, and I thank you for that. I pray your blessing on each one. And we ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. At this time, we're going to wait upon you for our morning tithes and offering. We thank you for your faithfulness in giving. You've continued to bless the church in ways that um, have allowed ministry to continue to happen. And um, we're thankful for that. Also, we want to make you aware... Um, we, you know that we have a, a campaign going on to raise funds for a di new digital sign. Um, that is ongoing. But in the interim, we are actually going to be putting a new sign out here in the front, which has been desperately needed. Um, Miss Elaine is so happy. Uh, she, she probably asked me no less than probably five times a week um, if we have the new sign plans done. So she is persistent we need those persistent people, right? She is a blessing to us. But we have on the back bulletin board as well as on the bulletin board out in the hallway what the new sign. It is going to be a, a completely new look for us, and we're excited about it. Um, it, it embraces a lot of uh, new uh, thought processes in that, and it'll be a, a, new, a great new addition. So the, hopefully within the next uh, two to three weeks, we'll have that up there. Uh, we're excited about it. So Let's uh, pray over this offering, and uh, Father, thank you for this opportunity. Um, I pray your blessing on this offering, that it would be multiplied to meet the needs of your kingdom. Uh, we thank you for the faithfulness of your people and their giving, um, and I pray that in the midst of uh, all the things that are going on, that you would bless your people uh, exponentially, Father. We thank you, and we ask for this in the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you all. Um, Make sure you love on the Wilsons before you let them leave if you haven't done so. And it's so good to uh, have you here. And uh, speaking about our nursery, we do have an opening next Sunday if you uh, would like to extend yourself and serve in our nursery. You'll do it next week. All right. So, thank you, Ms. Madison. Thank you. If there's someone else that would like to start signing up, we have, we have two regular families. Ms. Debbie's hoping to be back here soon um, to help serve in some areas as well. But if you'd, we'd love to have two or three more families sign up to help serve in the nursery so, you know, we can rotate that and you are able to be part of other things as well. God bless you. Thank you.